Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job explains how we can walk worthy of our calling. Because we have a call, we need to live what our calling is. You already have everything that you need to live up to that call, so do it. You already have everything that you need to be able to raise to the level of expectation that God has upon your life, so rise up. Welcome to Bold Steps with Pastor Mark Job, Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church and President of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Well, living up to your God-given calling and purpose. And Mark, today you're going to show us how no matter what we're going through, we need to walk worthy, don't we? Wayne, some people believe that there are some believers that are called and others that are the non-called, I guess. (laughs) But this is written to the Ephesian believers, and he says to all of them, all of them, including us, walk worthy of your calling. And then he goes on to unpack what it means to walk worthy of our calling. And so I just want you to know, if you're listening today, you are called. Now listen to this message so that you understand how to live out your calling. Yeah, it is a high calling, isn't it? It is. Yeah. All right, let's get started. The message comes from the book of Ephesians chapter four, and here's Mark Job. I don't know if you've ever walked out of your house some morning and your wife looks at what you're wearing and she says, uh-uh, doesn't match. There's something about when you see someone wearing something that obviously doesn't match that draws your attention in a negative way because it seems incongruent. He's like, whoa, who put that together? It, it just doesn't match. It doesn't go together. I grew up in, a, many of you know, I grew up in the country of Spain, and I came one year to the U.S. when I was in high school, and I was 15 to go to a school, and they happened to have a special event, a prom or something of that nature, and In order to go to this event, you needed a suit, and I didn't own a suit, I didn't want to own a suit, I didn't like suits, but my grandfather said, you need to wear a suit to this event. So he dragged me out to the store, and I bought myself a suit uh, for the event that I was going to, but I just was kind of dragging my feet on it, and um, I decided, I I, I wore a suit, but but I I wore my... um, my white gym socks with, uh, you know, with red stripes on the side there. And that, that's what I wore with my suit. And I was sitting there at the, this event, and my friend looked over and said, Hey, bro, you can't wear those kind of socks with that suit, man. It just doesn't match. It doesn't match. It brought his attention right away. Like, you know, you can't do that. Now, if you're in a gym outfit, you can wear that. But if you're in a suit outfit, you have to wear uh, that which matches with it because it just doesn't seem to go together. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that you have a calling upon your life and that your walk, the way you live your life, needs to match your calling. And if it doesn't match your calling, then people around you will notice you, not because they're attracted to the message that you're proclaiming, 
but they'll notice you because they'll notice you in a negative way. They'll notice you in a way that says, hey, they claim to be this, but their lifestyle is that. It just doesn't match. Now, do you realize that most people aren't as impressed by what we say we are as by how we live our life? Most people don't notice the label that you wear. You can call yourself a Christian, and most people don't really care that much about what you call yourself. But what impacts people is if your life is different, if it's lived different, if your life is different than the norm, then it makes sense to them. And many non-believers tend to be turned off by people that claim to be Christians, but their lifestyle doesn't match at all their claim of Christianity. Now, when Paul says, I urge you to live according to, to live worthy of the calling that you have received, I want to clarify that because many people seem to think that there are people that are called and people that are not called. Uh, some people think that only those people that are going to be missionaries in Africa are going to be pastors or going to be evangelists or have some sort of ministry, that those are the called ones. And that everybody else, yeah, they're believers, but they're not really called. Uh, that there's a division between those that are called and those that are not called. And I want you to understand that that is a huge misrepresentation of the gospel. Because what the gospel teaches is that everyone that names the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is called. Everyone. That we're all called. If you have... Proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you consider yourself a Christian, call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have a calling on your life, and it's a high calling. So why don't you turn to the person beside you and tell them, I'm called. Go ahead. Turn to the person on the other side and say, I'm called. All right, I want you to know you're called. Now that you know you're called, I want you to understand that your calling oftentimes determines the expectations. I have an 11-year-old son. He's in sixth grade. Right now, his calling is to be a sixth grader in my house. So my expectations of him are a little bit lower than they would be someone older because that's his calling right now, right? And so I don't expect that he gets a job and helps pay the light bill. I've been tempted to move in that direction. But no, I don't expect that of him. I don't expect that he drive a car right now. I, I don't expect that he know how to fill out his uh, tax return forms. I don't expect that he know how to do trigonometry. Why? Because he's 11 years old and he's in sixth grade. So my expectation go along with his calling. His calling right now is at a sixth grade level, so I have expectations of a sixth grade level upon his life. 
Now, when, when someone is in office, for example, the president of the United States and the highest political office that you can hold in this land, we have higher expectations of someone like that. Why? Because the calling determines the expectations that we have on someone. When someone is living out the calling of being a married man and has kids and is raising them, then I have a different set of expectations upon that man than I would upon a single man, a single young man. Why? Because he's living out his calling. Part of his calling is to be a husband and a father. And so the expectations are different. Why? Because the calling determines the expectations. And in the same way, Paul is reminding the believers that we have a calling on our life, and it's a high calling. And since our calling is high, then our expectations need to be high. We don't have a low calling. We have a high calling. Now, what he's not saying is that you have to try to be worthy of the call because you are already worthy of the call. Because we have a call, we need to live what our calling is. You already have everything that you need to live up to that call, so do it. You already have everything that you need to be able to raise to the level of expectation that God has upon your life, so rise up. You have all that it takes within you. He just told us in our previous verses that we read last week in the previous chapters that you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, that you have everything that you need, all the power of God that you need to be what God has called you to be, so now be it. So, live worthy of the call that you have received. And then he goes on to explain what it means to live worthy of the call that we have received, and he in essence he tells us that there are two tests that make us, that help us understand whether or not we're living worthy of the call that we have received. One has to do with our character, uh, how we live, our attitude, and the other has to do with whether we are peacemakers or divisive people, whether we're bridge builders or whether we tear bridges down. So the first one, I'll categorize it as this. It's the attitude towards leadership, or what I call servant leadership. He tells us in verse 2 what it means to live worthy of our call, and he says this. He says, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Aren't there certain verses you just wish you could kind of scratch out of the Bible? This is one of them. This is a tough a verse. He gives us four attitudes that every person that's called by Jesus Christ should have. And these are not easy attitudes, believe me. These are some hard attitudes he's calling us to live up to. I'm going to give them to you. And again, these are not optional. These are required of people that are called by God to live up to your calling. Mark will be back to explain these attitudes in just a moment, so stay with us on Bold Steps. 
But we want to remind you that you can always access our daily programs and catch up on anything you might have missed on the radio by going online to boldstepsradio.org. Or listen straight from your phone or smart device by opening your podcast app and searching for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job. Remember to click the subscribe button and leave a five-star review or a comment to help other listeners find out about the program. And we encourage you to do the same thing with Mark's shorter Bible teaching feature known as the Bold Steps Minute. These 60-second messages from Mark are a great way to get encouragement and biblical insight at any time of the day, no matter how busy your schedule looks. Just search for the Bold Steps Minute on your podcast app and subscribe for these helpful daily features. Or visit boldstepsminute.org. And the Bold Steps Minute is now available in Spanish, by the way. If you speak Spanish or know someone who does, listen to pasosadathas.org, which means Bold Steps in Spanish. And to make it easy to find, there's a handy link right on the Bold Steps homepage. Just look for Pasos Adathas at boldstepsradio.org. Now, back into today's Bold Steps, our message is called Walking Worthy. And once again, here's Mark Job. Number one, he says, be humble. Be completely humble. Now, when I say humble, most of you aren't real excited to be humble. Most of us do not really value the attitude of humility highly. It's not something that, that fathers often tell their sons. They don't say, son, I want you to be humble. It's not something that coaches tell their athletes, hey, I want you to be humble. It's not... In fact, in the Greek and Roman culture, it was looked down upon to be humble. And I think part of our reticence to accepting humility and celebrating humility is that we don't really understand what true humility is. For example, some people think that being humble means that you have an inferiority complex. That being humble means that you're going to be like a mat that people sort of dust their feet off of. Uh, Some people think that humble means that you can't look someone in the eye, that you kind of walk around hunched over, looking at the ground all the time, and when someone greets you, you kind of look up at them and kind of shy away. Uh, Some people think humility means being shy or being timid or, or not being able to voice your opinion or not being assertive or not being able to to speak. And some people think if I'm humble, I'm going to be someone's doormat. If I'm humble, I'm going to be stepped on. If I'm humble, I'm going to be taken advantage of because we have not quite understood what humility means. Jesus was humble. And yet, do you remember when Jesus entered into the temple? He turned over the tables of the money changers. He got a whip and he drove everybody out of the temple and he said, my house, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But was he humble? Yeah. He acted in humility. The Bible tells us that Moses was one of the most humble people on the face of this earth. Yet Moses challenged an entire nation and he brought the most powerful man in the world at the time, whose name was a, who was a pharaoh. He brought him to his knees. He challenged the powers and authorities that were there. And he led almost two million people out of slavery into, to look to a new promised land. And yet he was a humble man. 
You see, humility has to do with you understanding your proper worth before God and before men. Having a proper view of yourself before God and before men is the definition of humility. You don't think more highly than of yourself than you should, and you don't think more lowly of yourself than you should. You understand who you are, and you're comfortable and confident in who you are. You, you see, what happens when, when you do not understand who you are and you're not humble, then you have to try to project an image. Uh, when someone is proud, they're not humble. And oftentimes what happens is if you don't understand who you are and are confident who you are, you have to try to make sure that people know who you are. You walk into a room and you think, oh, people don't really know what I've done or who I am. So you're impulsively driven to hand out business cards with big titles on them. And when you talk, you have to tell people who you know and what you've done and what you've accomplished. Why? Because, well, they don't really know. I, I need to. And you want to sit at the best place in the front place where everybody can acknowledge you, the, the seats of importance. Why? Because you, you, you have to make sure that everybody knows who you are and what you've done and how you are. Why? Because you're, you're not confident already in who you are. You're not comfortable with understanding who you are. You see, when you're humble, you're not driven to try to show everybody that you have value. But when you're humble, you know you have value. When you're humble, you already know who you are. You don't have to prove that you're somebody because you know that you're somebody already in God. When you're humble, you don't have to take credit for everything because you can share the credit. Why? Because you're already, you already know that you're somebody in God. You're comfortable with who you are. You're not trying to secure a name. You already know your value because you're humble. You understand that? When Jesus was arrested and he went before Pilate, Pilate asked him, some say that you are the king of the Jews. What do you say? And notice that Jesus said nothing. He didn't respond. He didn't say, oh, you better believe I'm the king of the Jews. He didn't say, oh, you want to hear what I've done? Well, let me tell you. Man, you should have seen when I rose Lazarus from the dead. He was all dead for three days, and I said, oh, Lazarus, come forth. Man, that stone rolled away. Everybody was shocked and amazed at what I did. I mean, Lazarus came forth, and you want to know power? Let me tell you, there was a blind guy that came to me. I spit on the ground, making a little mud. I put him on his eyes, and whoa, he could see. Now that's who I am. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say, hey, one day I was out on the sea, and there was a storm and a tempest. Everybody was afraid. I got up in the boat, and I said, storm, be still. Man, it went quiet and still. Why? Because that's who I am. No, Jesus didn't have to say that. He didn't have to boast. He didn't have to brag. He didn't have to tell everybody his story. Why? Because Jesus walked in humility. He knew who he was. And when you know who you are, you don't have to go around trying to prove to people that you are somebody because you already know who you are. That's true humility. 
I pity you if you have a boss that's not humble. I pity you because we've all worked for people that just had to prove that they were somebody. And usually if you're proud and people work for you, you have to put them down. You have to put them down and you have to boss them around and you have to kind of treat them like dirt a little bit so they know that you're somebody. And if you've ever worked for a boss that's proud, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, when you are humble and a piece of paper falls on the ground, you have no problem picking up a piece of paper because you figure, hey, it's a piece of paper, it's on the ground, let me help out the cleaning person. And so you pick it up and you put it in the trash. When you're not humble, you say, I'm not going to pick that up. People may think I'm a cleaning person, and I'm not. You see, when you're not humble, you can't do lowly tasks because you're afraid that people may think that you're less than what you are. Jesus took his disciples and they went into a room, the Bible tells us, and they, were, they had had a long trip and his disciples had just been arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And James and John had just asked Jesus if they could sit at his right hand and his left hand. And all the disciples were grumbling and talking about, no, I'm closer to Jesus than you are. No, no, I think he likes me better than he likes you, man. He sat by me last time. Oh, no, 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 no. He called me his beloved last time, and I got to, I got to hold his rope. Well, you're going to be behind me. I'm closer to Jesus. Yeah, that happened among the disciples. And they're all arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, and they arrived at this place and the Bible tells us that when they arrived at this place, it was customary for someone to wash the feet of the rest of the people because they walked the dirty, dusty roads of, of uh, there was no pavement in those roads and open-toed sandals. And so when they got there, none of the disciples wanted to take out the basin of water with the tall towel and wash anybody else's feet. They were all like, let me see if you do that because that, that's not my job. I'm going to be at the right hand. I think you should wash people's feet. And the Bible says that Jesus entered in and he looked around at them. And he took the, he took the basin with the water and he took the towel and he started to wash his disciples' feet. And then his disciples got all embarrassed. Hey, why is the master washing our feet? And Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Learning what true humility looks like. That's the takeaway from today's message with Mark Job. And you're listening to Bold Steps. Now, if you've missed any of the messages from his brand new series called When You Believe, let me invite you to catch up right now and visit boldstepsradio.org. Mark, before we say goodbye today, I have a question I think a lot of Christians have asked at some point in their journey. We know that pain and death and deception weren't part of God's plan, so when we see so much of it around us, is God's good plan still in motion behind the scenes? That's a great question, Wayne. I always remind people that uh, God is good, but we live in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. You may be one of those individuals that are experiencing the devastation of a fallen world. I recently 
prayed over a father who had just days before lost his 15-year-old son in a tragic uh, car accident. And it's hard to try to explain to a father who loves his son why this happened. And I didn't even try. I, I have stopped trying to explain because I'm not really sure why. But I do know that God is good. And uh, if I cannot understand the hand of what's happening, I can always trust the heart. And I think that's what Max Lucado in his book, God Will Use This for the Good, points to, surviving the mess of life. And Max Lucado talks about those struggling with difficult, traumatic, bad, difficult circumstances in life and making sense of it. Maybe you're going through a time that's uh, just great and you don't have this mess, as Max Lucado calls it. This is a good time to read this book to prepare your heart for what may come in the future. That's right, Wayne. We are either going into a valley, coming out of a valley, or right between valleys. But life <laughs> is full of difficult circumstances, so better be prepared. And you'll be prepared when you get a copy of Max Lucado's book titled, God Will Use This for Good. Just send your gift of any amount to support Bold Steps and receive a copy. Send your gift in the mail. Write to us at Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. But if it's easier or more convenient, you can give and request the book by calling 844-615-7363. Or give your gift of any amount when you go online to boldstepsradio.org. And then before we close today, let me remind you to like or follow us on your favorite social media platform. We're listed as Bold Steps Radio on Facebook and Instagram, and we look forward to seeing you there. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to come back tomorrow when Mark addresses the next three points on Walking Worthy. This message comes from our series, When You Believe, Everything Changes. And you can hear it right here, Wednesday, on Bold Steps with Mark Jones. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.